Good morning. <clears throat> you know, sometimes when we, we have these uh, one day sittings and we um, we advertise on the uh, Eventbrite and people come who we haven't seen in the past and um, I, I worry a little bit uh, that we might be making it too hard on you. Uh, so I hope we're not making it too hard. You know, we had three periods in a row there, so that's maybe more than you're used to it, used to doing. Um, <clears throat> but our intention uh, isn't uh, to uh, make it hard on you. Uh, our intention really is, uh, some of us find it rather essential um, to, um, you know, we have our daily practice. You know, many of us have a daily practice sitting practice, but some of us find it rather essential, including me, to uh, have um, an opportunity to uh, go more deeply into um, uh, what we might call uh, this uh, tuning of the body and mind, you know, tuning, tuning up. Uh, and uh, I thought of this... Um, <clears throat> Thing that happens sometimes at um, when I, I like to go hear some music occasionally, and uh, the, the the musicians um, so frequently and certain certain musicians I don't know why certain musicians feel compelled to tune quite a bit, and uh, when you're listening to the concert and and sometimes they're tuning on and on and they and they they kind of know that they're being obnoxious I guess, and uh, so. A little witticism that they have is uh, to, you know, pacify the audience is we tune because we care. We tune because we care. <laughs> and um, yeah, it's a, it's a, it's, it's kind of a, an old, old joke that they tell. But I think it actually is a wonderful statement, uh, and it, it's, it's how I feel about our practice. I think. We, we tune this body and mind in sitting meditation because we care. Because, because, because actually caring is our business. And we, we uh, by tuning uh, the body and mind, uh, we, I think we have a sense uh, that we can do a better job, uh, a, a, sat, a more satis- satisfactory, could call it a job, that doesn't sound right, but let's call it a job of caring, you know, for, for our life, for caring for our life and caring for others as we may be requ- required to do or as we may be, uh, it's really hot in here. It, it, I don't know if it's just me. Is it anybody else? I, 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 I very comfortable. It was cold, so I turned it up. So let me put it back down. Could you? Yeah. <laughs> I, 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 you'll see. I wear quite a few robes here, and uh, it's really warm. Um, thank you, Malia. So, um, yeah. So I think, you know. We tune because we care, because that 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 is our that is our life. Um, and uh, when I was um, 
so I thought of that. Um, <clears throat> that thing that the musicians do. And then I also th I thought of this poem. Uh, I received this poem um, when I was uh, a priest ordained uh, in 2016 uh, from one of the assembly who kindly gave me this poem. And it relates to this idea of tuning. Um, and it, it's very short. Everywhere is where followers of the way lay down their lives. Everywhere is where followers of the way tune their minds. Everywhere is the treasure treasury of limitless potentialities of followers of the way. Everywhere is not everywhere. It is only called everywhere. Very then then ending there. <laughs> so anyway, every the, the the line of course that I'm re really focused on there is everywhere is where followers of the way tune their minds. So today we have day tuning tuning the body and mind. And uh, and I have a day. I've had a day for many many years. Uh, a, a time of the day. Uh, for many, many years for tuning the body and mind in this sitting meditation practice. Um, and the, uh, not so long ago, I was doing this practice in the morning and um, of tuning. And in that practice sometimes arises uh, the teachings that we hear uh, in various locations and um, frequently um, some line we, we do we do in this practice we do some chanting practice and frequently uh, a line from that chanting practice will surface in sitting meditation and so the, the line uh, that surfaced for me the other day was uh, from uh, chant that we will do at the noon service. Uh, some of you are very familiar with it, and some of you will, will never have heard it before. Um, it's called uh, the Song of the Jewel Mirror Samadhi. Samadhi being, of course, a Sanskrit word for sitting meditation, uh, for um, the engagement of sitting meditation. Um, so uh, and this this poem, uh, this this chant comes from a poem uh, by uh, a, uh, an ancient Zen master named Dongshan Liangji, and he lived in ninth century China, and uh, he started his poem with these words: "The teaching of thusness has been intimately communicated by Buddhas and ancestors." Now you have it, so keep it well. So we know, you know, Buddha did some teaching, and um, that teaching has come down to us, and that it has been, um, that teaching has been massaged and studied and um, 
thought about and elaborated um, for you know a couple thousand years. And uh, so here we come to Dongshan in ninth century China, and he is further elaborating this teaching of uh, the Buddha, the teaching of thusness. And he, but he, interestingly, he, he says, now you have it, so keep it well. <laughs> so he doesn't tell you anything about it. He just says you have it. Uh, you have it before you know what it is. Um, and so maybe in that sense, it's our birthright. This teaching, whatever it is, whatever this teaching of thusness is, it's something that is inherent that we, we don't have to acquire, uh, but we may have to uh, study or realize in our life, in our body-mind, in this process of tuning. Um, so, uh, Suzuki Roshi was the founder of this school that we practice. Um, he came to America in 1959 to offer Zen practice to Americans. And uh, this kind of like representation of Buddhist practice is, is all his doing. It's all his fault. <laughs> and, uh, and these robes and so forth. Um, so... Um, one of his favorite uh, teachings uh, was to this teaching of thusness. And the way he framed it is uh, as the uh, things as they are, the teaching of things that, well, he would say he was not a native English speaker, so he would say things as they is. Uh, but, you know, we would say today things as they are. Um, and that that's that's the that's a very good um, definition of what we mean by thusness. Uh, so, but then again, what what are things as they are? So I would propose um, that uh, thus I have heard about about things as they are. Uh, that they are um, things as they are free of our wishes, our hopes, our fears, our love, our conceptual elaboration of any kind. And thusness, this teaching of thusness, is the teachings of kind of hands off. Let things be. Let things be as they are and and monitor monitor your uh, desire to mess with them and to change them and to make them conform to your expectations and your wishes and your desires. And your needs. Um, so this is this is 
I think, very radical teaching. It's a very radical teaching because, of course, we want to make things uh, align up for us. That we want to, you know, make our lives uh, just the way we would like them to be. And there's nothing wrong with that. Um, but it, but uh, unexamined, uh, um, in light, in, in, due to uh, something else that Buddhism says is inherent in us, which is greed, hate, and delusion, we have to be careful. We have to be careful that uh, in the in 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 the way that we approach ourselves and other people uh, to not be, of course, manipulative. To the you know, so so to to be, we just have to watch our complete you know you know normal human um, our normal human tendencies to want to mess with things and shape things and change things and make people be the way we want them to be and make ourselves be the way we think we should be or we sh- or the way we shouldn't be you know we're, we're so we have to we have a I think this is, um, I always say we have to, but we don't have to do anything. That's very important. <laughs> but, but, but we may want to. We, we may want to um, take a posture of um, examining this tendency uh, to, to not be thus with everything. And we, want to, we, and we may want to explore what would it be like to be thus with everything, we may want to explore that, and I want to explore that. And I've, I, and because I, I didn't even know what, what it was. But then I did some sitting meditation. And I went to a monastery, and I lived there, and I saw what it was, and I said, Yeah, I, I, I do want to do this. This is what I want to do. I want to, I want to practice this teaching of thusness. Because it's so joyful and and it's and it's so kind and it's so freeing uh, to to not be uh, always uh, you know second guessing yourself and and uh, wondering how you are in relation to everybody and am I am I am I better than that person am I worse than that person you know how am I you know so forth. Uh, I wanted to, I wanted, I had some encounter, you know, I had some direct encounter with this uh, way of being thus with things. And I said, yeah, that's something I can study for the rest of my life. I can study that and, and I can practice that and I will fail at practicing that. I know, I mean, I, did, I didn't say that, but I say that now. I say I, I say I fail all the time, I do fail all the time to um, to let things be uh, to let people be um, what was Darlene's things oh yeah a, a teacher an old teacher of mine um, Darlene Cohen used to say 
let others be others. Very important teaching. Try it. Try just letting others be others and see if you can and see how many times you fail. <laughs> I do anyway. Uh, but you know, the teaching of thusness is something we can practice every moment. Um, and it doesn't have to be, you know, some um, you know, grand thing. Uh, it can just be noticing um, you know, like like I know I, I noticed the temperature in the room. You know, that was something I noticed, and I was getting flushed and and warm. You know, so that was kind of an encounter with the. With things as they are, and I, I ask them to be manipulated. <laughs> so see, we're always doing that. But you know, we feel that we can just feel right now the the weight of our body on on this seat. What does that weight feel like? What do our legs feel like? What is the temperature in the room? Is it just right? A little cold, a little warm? A little sound from the, coming to us from the air purifier over there. This is this is this is tuning to our environment. Noticing, being aware, being mindful. And the more you practice that, the more you just practice the 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 study of the raw, you know, sensory inputs. The more I mean just doing that. And the, the hardest thing is to study your thoughts. The hardest thing is to study your thinking, but eventually you'll get good at studying your thinking, and you'll you'll see, uh, you know, all of your delusive thoughts. And when you see your delusive thoughts, um, you just know there's a delusive thought. You know, there's some grasping thought. This is the trick. This is the this is the skill that we are cultivating in this practice. See the delusive thought. See the grasping thought. See the desiring thought. Or see the kind thought. Don't get waylaid by the the grasping thought and think you're a failure. Don't get puffed up if you see the kind, compassionate thought or you see some action you've done that it was beneficial. Don't get puffed up by that. Just see, you, you might get puffed up for a second, you know. Get puffed up for just one second and then let it go. <laughs> or get depressed about your delusion for just one second and then let it go. So this is, you know, this is this process of tuning, constantly tuning. And... You know, you won't always remember to do it, 
and that's okay. But if you practice this way, you will become more skilled at recognizing um, where you're off. And then you just return to, you know, you saw this face, and for a minute, you know, there was attraction. And, but then, 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 then the next second, there's just, it's a face. It's a face. Or, you know, I saw this face, and then there was a version. And then, uh, no, it's just a face. It's a face. Look at the face as a face, not as an object of desire or aversion. Look at all your experience as that way. First, you'll notice the karmic tendency, you know, to take it in as something you want or you don't want, and then in the next in the next instance, reorient, tune, tune. Just a face. Just another being who's got the same problems you do. <laughs> Right? We're all in the same boat. So, um, as usual, I'm not really looking at my notes. Um, but I did want to, uh, I, I, I did want to um, talk about the next line in the poem. Um, and we're going to chant this poem so you get to hear these lines again. But uh, the, the next line, so he says, the teaching of thusness has been intimately communicated by Buddhas and ancestors. Now you have it, so keep it well. Filling a silver bowl with snow, hiding a heron in the moonlight, taken as similar, they're not the same. When you mix them, you know where they are. So, yeah. That I'm, if you haven't, if you're not, you know, you haven't chanted that. If you've chanted that over and over again, you're very familiar with it, and you, you've heard those images many times. But if you haven't heard it before, obviously it's uh, it's some kind of a metaphor, right? I mean, it's a poetic metaphor. Uh, we can say that. Uh, so um, I'll cut through the questioning about it and just say that um, in this metaphor. Uh, the, the heron and the and the snow uh, represent um, our mundane, ordinary, everyday life, um, and the life of uh, something called a self. Uh, and um, it, it also represents this mundane world, which, according to the Buddhist teaching, is a world. Of suffering. This samsara, it's called, the world of suffering. So the 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 the, the, um, the snow, transient snow, right? Not going to stay around, impermanent. And uh, the heron, also impermanent, not going to stay around. Um, represent that world and. Uh, the bowl and the um, 
moonlight represents something uh, beyond that world or um, something uh, not finite, not finite. You know, obviously snow and heron are going to change quickly. But as far as we know, you know, the bowl's going to be around for a very long time. And, um, and the moonlight, as far as we know, has been here before us and it'll be here after us. So um, it represents, you know, our, uh, our greater life, you know, the, uh, a, like the bowl, the, the image of the bowl, you know, something that uh, contains something um, that, that, that forms a container for something. And that has uh, that has an enduring quality, and the moonlight, of course, is like you know something something ethereal and something uh, all all pervading, right? Touches everywhere, it, it it reaches everywhere. When the moon is shining, it's actually getting full right now, and um, you know the moonlight touches everything. So it represents this, you know, this this sense of something. Bigger, and uh, and in this in this uh, in this uh, situation of herons and uh, snow and bowls and moonlight, uh, the poem says there's mixing going on. When you mix them, you know where they are. And this is the line that I was tuning my body and mind the other day in Sazen, and I thought of that line, and I said, yeah, that's so right. <laughs> the mixing. And that's, I think, um, you know, in the early days of uh, Buddhist practice, people thought that the point of practice was to uh, uh, exit the... Uh, this mundane world, you know, this world of suffering and impermanence, like who would want to like stay there? You know, that would be that would be uh, not not what, what they wanted to do. What they thought was the the uh, the process of spiritual development was to was to uh, destroy <laughs> destroy the mundane, destroy the impermanent. Um, destroy the self and move on to the transcendent, to uh, the to the uh, imagined spiritual development of of being no self, no and uh, no suffering, and and there being no suffering, no self and no suffering. So we should make this journey. That that's and that's still that's still a common, you know, spiritual uh, teaching that's out in this world. That we're making we need to make this trip from this saha world uh, to to um, you know some uh, trans- transcendent place or state or. Way of being, or 
you know, and the, and the, and the original the, the the original Buddhists thought that to do that you just had to like completely blow out this life, and that's what what's called nirvana. No more bursts. No more coming back. To, this this is this this sucks. <laughs> we should get out of here, and we should never come back. And uh, and that was the that was the that was the early vision. Um, and you know the Mahayana Buddhists came along and said, well, we don't think so. And Dungshan, this guy, is one of those, and he has this more subtle. He has this more subtle vision and his vision is the vision of mixing he says the 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 mundane is always going to be with us and um so it's not a matter of getting rid of it we should understand our life and our practice as mixing these two we should we should know something about the teaching of thusness we should know something about that, and and we should we should practice it, and we should understand it, and we should we should you know bow down to it. Um, but we shouldn't we shouldn't think that it, the point of it is is so that we uh, leave, that we get out of the mundane. So what we're really about is 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 mixing. That's our life. That's our life of practice and so I, I said I contend that the vision of the Soto Zen school is the understanding that our life is mixing uh, to see the mundane and the transcendent as always mixing our life as people of the way is to be aware of this mixing to trust this mixing, to respond to this mixing, to understand this mixing, to be mixed in with this mixing and not be mixed up about this mixing. You can tell I like that I wrote that. (laughs) (laughs) I confess. Um, Zen practice is not really Zen practice. Zen practice is Zen life, and it is a life of mixing. I really, I, I've been doing this a long time, and I certainly used to think that I was trying to get somewhere. I definitely thought that, and um, but now I think, no, I'm I'm never going to get anywhere. <laughs> I'm never going to get anywhere. And all the best I can hope for is that I will I will enjoy and this life of occasionally getting glimpses of the teaching of thusness and once again and each time being awed by it and um, humbled by it and uh, and then just wanting, wanting to, to, you know, keep heading in that direction, even though I'm never going to get there. And yeah, so that's the that's that's, and that and I think that this life is a life of, 
you know. It's a life of failure, continuous failure. Dogen said, you know, he called his life one continuous mistake. One continuous mistake. And it can feel like that sometimes. But I think if we have, in my mind, we have this... Uh, Oh, I, I, this is uh, this is another important point. It says, it says in Zen, uh, <clears throat> we we mix uh, the mode of preference with non-preference. Uh, we mix the mode of calculation with uh, the transcendent mode of non-calculation. We mix the realm of desire with non-desire. We mix the world of form with the world of emptiness. Like snow in a silver bowl, like the white heron in the moonlight, form and emptiness, self and other, all these pairs in the, on all these pairs, the partners are distinct. If they weren't distinct, you couldn't mix them. If they weren't distinct, taken as similar, they're not the same. They're not the same. The mundane and the transcendent are not the same. Form and emptiness are not the same. If they were, you couldn't mix them. When we mix them, we know we know where they are. We know, I contend, we know who we are. And and to me, to know that is to know that you're you know a practitioner of the way, and that's important. You know, despite all your failures, <laughs> continuous failures, and um, yeah to know that you are a person who's willing to mix and is not willing it's just like the teaching of thusness it is it is your life it's just that it has to be recognized it has to be realized and recognized that that is your life and um, and when it is realized and recognized um we feel like we're doing the work that we need to do. Hmm. Yeah, so I kind of think that's enough. Uh, yeah, it's more than enough. I think I'm beyond my time. But that's all right. Usually this happens. Um, so I wanted to hear from you a little bit about, you know, your practice, or if you if you have if you have any uh, responses or um, encounters with this teaching, with this teaching of thusness, with the with the or and this this idea that um, it runs 
counter to a lot of the way that we actually function. Uh, in other words, you know, one of the one of the teachings of Buddhism, one of the entrances to non-duality, is called, is wishlessness. But you know, not to have any wishes, not to have any, not to have any uh, things that we're trying to achieve or get or hope for. And uh, but yet, that is not our life. We're all trying to, you know, get something and have. You know, we all have wishes. So how how is this? I mean, how is how is it with your 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 life of of wishing and hoping? And or how is your life of um, um, wishlessness? Yeah, Kenny. Well, I started out this morning. I'm like. Why am I here all day? Do I really want to do this? And then there came a point where, wow, this is great. I don't want this to stop. So I was going to these different feelings that I was like, okay, I'm just recognizing these are thoughts that are going to come and go, and I'm just going to be here. And um, so that was, I don't know what that represents, but uh, the wishlessness, I'm like, okay. I would like to have a wish to that all beings are happy and all that, but then it's like I have to keep reminding myself because really I want me to be happy and I think about me first and then I'm like, well, hey, I better include others. So I don't know, that's another going back and forth uh, with wishing. And you mentioned there was a talk about a black snake in the dark. <laughs> I don't know mm-hmm. if that's the same thing as a heron in the moonlight or a No, it's not. Cell. Okay. <laughs> Do you see the difference? Um, well, you seem to have the uh, maybe the opposition of relative and absolute in, in the snow and the hole. Mm-hmm. I don't know what the black snake. <laughs> well, it's a, that's absolute and absolute. Okay. Both right. Dark. That's that's there's no you know there's no uh, nothing outside. Just I'm, I've gone. This is this is I've gone beyond. You know, that's you know there's I don't I don't see any objects. There's no there's no objects that I can see. It's it's all um, in this case blackness. You know, um, it's it's all emptiness. Right? It's all emptiness. I can only see emptiness. And I, and I think in the talk that you heard, I don't remember, but it, I think it was that was the black snake in the black room or whatever was that was said to be the wrong answer, right? <laughs> to what is Zen? <laughs> so yeah. <laughs> Dave. So. With not wishing, now I mean, you know, it's easy for me to get a grasp on. I should not wish for, say, a new car. I should not wish that. Why not? Someday if you need a new car. Hey, be nice. <laughs> I don't. I got here. I'll get <laughs> the you know, I, I wish the last Sunday's football game had gone. Now, it's easy for me to say, well, these are wishes that we should set aside. Now, when we get to 
other wishes to say, I wish this family member wasn't going through such a hard time. I wish that this social injustice thing wasn't happening. I mean, it doesn't seem that these are wishes that I should but, but, but maybe I should look at them as goals to be worked towards as opposed to wishes. And, you know, and where do you draw the line between a goal to be worked for and, and a wish? Well, I think you, you, you've gone too far there with the question. The, the point well, is... Yeah, I know you could. But, but, but what, what I mean by that is, is that... Um, you're, you know, this practice is just a practice of, of awareness of what wishes you have. It doesn't, it's not a judgment about what kind of wishes you have. It's just a noticing that you have these wishes. I hope you continue to have the wish that there shall not be so, social injustice in this world. I mean, I, please continue that wish. Um, and uh, if, if you need a new car, please continue that wish. But, um, but also, you're recognizing that it's a wish, and if, if it has, if, if it, then you have to see what that wish does, right? You have to see what, what does that wish do, and, and is, it, is it helping realize the, the thing that wants to be wished for, and, or how, you know, because sometimes wishes become so strong that uh, then you start really messing with things in a way that isn't appropriate to get that wish satisfied. To get that wish done, and and you go overboard. So, so the, the point of practice is, you know, just be aware of your wishes and know, you know, we've been studying the Vimalakirti Sutra recently, and you know what what is the skillful what is the skillful way to be uh, in relationship to that wish. That's that's really the question. What is the skillful way to be in Relationship to that wish. Wish as opposed to obsession. Yeah. See, if if it got to obsession, that might be too much. I'm just suggesting it might be too much, (laughs) and and we see that that's true. That that obsession and 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 also you don't get usually obsession results in you going away from the wished for thing anyway, rather than toward it. Uh, you, You you mess it up. With your obsession, and uh, and sometimes you really want something to happen, and you realize it's just not the right time, <laughs> and or it's not the right place, or it's not the right people, or it's not worth it, and and so you 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 back off, you 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 you, you exercise your your wisdom about when it's appropriate to act and when it's not. I've been thinking lately about um, how a lot of people, myself and just people I know, um, various parts of my life, you know, there's just this kind of, this is kind of um, air of frustration and disappointment that we all oftentimes are kind of breathing in and breathing out all the time. And, you know, I, I see my friends and it's there. I see my coworkers every day. You know, it's it's this kind of like, oh, another day, you know, another day of kind of
kind of this, I guess what I'm trying to say is I think there's a difference between reacting to something specifically, wanting, you know, having a wish or feeling a disappointment and actually reacting to the thing happening. But then there's a, you know, frustration and disappointment or cynicism can become a mode mm-hmm. or a habit. Um, and then it's just, it's just there all the time. You know, it's, it's, it's like it's just something you kind of plug into every experience. Mm-hmm. There's always something you're worried about, something that you feel let down about to the point where you, you, you really, you're not being specific anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it becomes habitual. You can live your whole life then as a cynic or as someone who's just frustrated. Um, so I think the tuning is helpful because it brings you back to this idea that, you know, there's, there's something happening right now. It's okay to feel frustrated or disappointed about it. But at the very least, you should understand that there's a difference between having an opportunity to react to something and perhaps then let it go, or just feeling like this is just, this is your life, this is your thinking, this is the little prison that you're stuck in with everybody else. And I, I, I think it's, it's, it's always been a part of human experience, but we have really bizarre standards these days for how we want our lives to go and our society Yeah, I agree. One one of the reasons I I was I had some, some friends at one point and uh, they were, were were moving in the direction of that cynicism as as a as a mode that was uh, had gotten you know kind of permanent you know kind of a a permanent way of meeting everything and I had to not be with those people anymore. I had to leave that you know that group because I, I, I just saw that as kind of a poison and that I couldn't have that, that I didn't want to I didn't want to engage with that way of that mode and that's sometimes what you have to do or you know you know somehow um, take someone aside and say you know <laughs> this this is this is this is this is really hard for me to be with um, I agree especially since really sad when it happens to someone who is really well-intentioned or, have, you know, it, it's sad when it happens to anyone, but I think for a lot, for some people it becomes a coping mechanism. You know, it's not really that they want to be cynical or frustrated. It's just sometimes easier than having to, uh, you just get knocked down a lot. You, you just come to kind of think that that's the easier way to, of going about dealing with things, you know. But yeah. You always start in the place of kind of, oh, you know, I'm not surprised that things didn't work out the way yeah, and and that's top. You know, I thought Dave's question was like went too far, and that that kind of approach went too short. You know, that's too short. I mean, that's too 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 uh, uh, cramped a vision of you know. You think because that can't that can't uh, you know make a person joyful. You know, it can't make a person happy. I don't think to be cynical. Uh, to to or, or to to stay in frustration and, and cynicism. So, you know, yeah, you wish you wish your wish for that person is the, that group is that they can move on and that they could develop beyond more, you know, beyond that. 
they could examine that. They could they could uh, have some recognition that it was not making for happiness. I think that's what we wish for, but not necessarily can do anything about. Maybe, but you have to know when's the right time. Okay, well, seems like we have come to the end.